Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Today's first cast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash almighty. That's audibletrial.com slash A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. Over 180,000 titles to choose from. Access them right on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Wanna do bad things. That's real, though. That's real at all, man. The more money you make, the more problems you get. And jealousy and envy is, is something that comes with the territory, man. A lot of people, it's just negative energy, like my man Puff say. What country you from? What? What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? What? English, mother... Do you speak it? Man, you've been doing all this dope producing. You ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So what you want me to do? Welcome to the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast. Congratulations, you have arrived at episode 430 of the Spurs Cast, the original San Antonio Spurs podcast, brought to you, of course, by ProjectSpurs.com. I'm your host, Ryan McCallum, and casting the pods with me on a very dank and dreary afternoon is, of course, Mr. Jose Grijalva. Jose, say hello to all your fans. They, they stretch across this land. Tell them how you feel today. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I had this incident last week. Uh, I have Amazon Prime, so you know when I run out of something, it's easy get Big it time. in two days. Amazon plug there. So uh, cocky. and I was so and, and I was running out of cologne, right? So I mean, it was this nice tasting, uh, nice tasting, nice smelling cologne. Uh, people would stare at me when I would wear it. So I was thinking, like you know, this is pretty good cologne. I'll order some more. Uh, first time I was wearing it, uh, you know, uh, I got it off the that scent monthly scent a program whatever. Uh, anyways, I was looking for it and I couldn't find it up until I found it and it was a women's. I've been wearing women's perfume for like the past month. I made it look good, okay? It doesn't especially really on, surprise like, me. It doesn't especially surprise on leg days. But uh, it was Burberry and I ordered uh, um, one for men. I was thinking about just ordering it again since I'm, you know, I mean, might as well just, but 
I, I'll think about it later. So my, uh, I don't wear any cologne. I'm just, I, I naturally smell terrific, but as you could imagine, but my deodorant, <laughs> nothing at all. I'm worried about deodorant, man. There's something about that where it's, uh, what is it? It's like alkaline. Something is inside of deodorant or antiperspirant that makes you not sweat. So I guess it would be antiperspirant. There's no way that that's good for you. There's no way that that stuff doesn't cause cancer. Deodorant-free. Deodorant Let me get to my story so about perfume. So my aunt uh, down in the valley, she doesn't, uh, in mission, she doesn't um, wear perfume. She just gets a little bit of Fabuloso. Do you know that? Yeah. And she just gets a little dab and she puts that behind her ear. That's it. That's the, uh, the floor cleaner, right? Yeah, exactly. And it smells awesome. I can't get that out of my head. Mm. Great story. Great story. I think it died out. <laughs> well, we'll jump right into uh, to Spurs talk today because um, we're four games into an eight-game rodeo road trip. Uh, the Spurs so far are a very surprising two and two uh, for you, not for me. I think this is right where they were going to be if I had it correct. I just missed one of these games. But we have, you know, Monday the 6th, they open up with a loss, pathetic loss, 74-89. You've got your high score of the game is David Lee with 14 points. Manu dishing out an epic three assists, and that's your leader for the game. Those are your two big leaders for the game. Uh, Then you roll over to the 76ers game on the 8th up in Philly, uh, they win 111 to 103. This is, you know, vintage Kawhi Leonard or the new vintage Kawhi Leonard, 32 points. Tony Parker shows up five assists. Uh, Dwayne Dedman pitches in 11 rebounds. And it, let's, we, we need to talk about Dwayne Dedman too, because this dude is, has been leading, uh, leading the way with, uh, in rebounding for a while now. Um, and, and so we need to break down his game. Then on the 10th, just two days later, they go to Detroit. They win 103 to 92. And then they absolutely lay an uninspired egg in New York in front of a, I don't know if it's a beleaguered team, but it's a team that's just fallen apart uh, at the seams, and that's the New York Knicks. Uh, Carmelo Anthony has sort of a vintage Carmelo game. Kawhi has an epic game, 36 points. Manu comes in with four assists. LaMarcus Aldridge goes 15-10, but they lose 90-94 to to the crappy New York Knicks. Uh, so they're 2-2 they're two and two so far on the road. So just what are your feelings, man, so far on this road trip, going starting out 2-2? Two and two, They've only had one losing record on this trip in like the past 19 years. What's, what's going on with the Spurs so far on this trip? I have no idea. I'm still trying to figure that out. The Memphis game sort of caught me off guard. Uh, Memphis always plays them hard. So uh, the sure. fact that they lost – didn't surprise me. The fact that they lost by 15 surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Philly game, I, you know, I thought it was going to be a trap game, but obviously you were right. I'll be the bigger man. I'll be the humble man and say that you were right, uh, that they uh, that they were going to win by a lot. Uh, the Piston game, they were going to come out and just destroy Boban and Bain, so that didn't, uh, I didn't think too much about it. But the Nick game, 
I mean, that this was a game that was on ABC. A lot of fans like to say, you know, it's the early game curse, especially on Sundays. They don't play well. Oh, that you know, that's hogwash. That, that, that that's just baloney. That's an ex- uh, just a an excuse. I, they play uh, uh, the finals right on Sundays uh, in the mornings or whenever. So mm-hmm. it, I, to me, that doesn't matter. No, they don't play in the mornings, right? But I mean, they play on Sundays. That, all that doesn't matter. The one thing I did tweet from the Spurs cast account that I think caught a, a few people off guard because they meant it. I, I think it sounded like a cocky. Type of tweet where uh, I I tweeted along the lines of uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, Derek Rose cannot uh, out- outperform Tony Parker or outplay Tony Parker, and you know that people took that as like a diss, but I was I meant it in the way of you know Derek Rose can't outplay Tony Parker in the sense of if he outplays him then I think they're in trouble because, you know, Derek Rose is at a point of his career where he's not half of what he used to be. Right. So uh, this game this game really worried me. The first thing I saw was laziness. They, they sort of felt entitled to win. You know, like, I don't, we don't have to try that hard. We're going to, you know, just blow them out. And when they try, even when they tried to get in the groove and, and they tried to get energy, they still seem flat. I don't know what it was. Uh, again, Kawhi Leonard had this extraordinary game, this, this monster of a game, but nobody else helped him out. And it's really, I mean, it kind of makes you think, you, you know, uh, uh, you know, especially with all these trade rumors surrounding Lamarcus Aldridge, because th- this is a two-man team. I, I mean, it's built around two guys. It's not built around one or really a team concept, uh, you know, of uh, just move the ball and find the open guy. This is this is an offense built around. Kawhi and Lamarcus and Lamarcus isn't showing up. He's not. It doesn't even look like he's trying when he's posting up. He always goes to the middle. He always goes to the help defender instead of trying to, you know, take advantage of of his defender. It just seems odd. Uh, I, I I mean I'm I I wouldn't be surprised if they if they went under 500 uh, during the road trip just because of how they look. Tony Parker looked done. I mean, there's games where he kind of. Yeah. outperforms himself you know I, I think he surprises himself in, in some performances but the guy just looks done and it's not like he's struggling it's not like he, he's trying to get his shot up and it's not falling he just looks flat you know sort of like his knee like he just does like he has stone feet you know like when you play and you just absolutely can't move and and the one thing that that's very noticeable about him is he looks frustrated when he goes he to the bench really kinda like, frustrated yeah like what, you know my minutes that i've given up yeah no, I don't think it's because of that. I think it's because of he think he thinks he should be playing at a better level when his body's telling him no. Uh, and, and again, you know, the I, I was just befuddled. Is that even a word to use? That uh, Dejounte Murray did not get more minutes in this game when Parker looked done. Pop should have just pulled him out, put Patty in, and then have uh, Dejounte as the backup or you know from the third string. But again, Pop tried to you know sort of be loyal to Parker. I, I guess he, he went to a Parker, uh, Patty backcourt for a few minutes. That really didn't work out. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's it's confusing. I, I think it, it's going to get to the point where Pop's going to have to make a decision. Is it going to be about loyalty or is it going to be about how far the team, uh, how far you know he can push the team to succeed? Uh, because, I mean, if he keeps going along with Parker and Parker keeps underwhelming and he does nothing about that, moves him out of the rotation or moves him to the third string, or maybe if there's trade talks as blasphemous as that sounds, uh, I mean we're, I mean you're looking at a Lakers situation from last year where it's sort of like the Kobe tour, but now right now it's the Tony Parker tour. I totally agree with you. I, I'm looking at the box score right now because I knew we were going to talk about Tony, and Tony Parker, as great as he is, he had the exact same scoring line as Ron Baker for the Knicks. Who? 
Ron Baker for the Knicks. The problem is that Ron Baker didn't even play. He didn't even get in. Tony played 31 minutes, 0 for 3 from the field, 0 for 1 from three-point land, 0 for 0 from the free-throw line, which is something that we used to see Tony Parker do is get to the line. He's not even getting free-throw attempts. Um, one rebound, right? Uh, four assists, and and put pitching in two fouls. Um, this Tony Parker is spending a lot of time on the court. So when you were talking about before he's coming off the court, my, my comment about you know, he, hey, I'm giving up my minutes because I can see how he can. He's kind of in a funk because he he's not playing the way that he's used to playing. He's not playing at that Hall of Fame level, which he will be. You know, that someday when he when he retires, but he's not playing at that Hall of Fame level that he expects to. He's not playing at former NBA Finals MVP level. But the only way that you get out of a funk is by playing and is by by getting your minutes and working through these challenges. My issue here is that he's playing 31 minutes a game. Right, that's huge. That's uh, fifth on the team, but for the game that night, fourth on the team. One, two, three, four. Yeah, fourth on the team uh, in minutes last night. Uh, he had 31 minutes. Patty had 19 minutes. Patty kind of it was kind of a streaky day for Patty, right? So three for eight from the field, two for five from field goal range, uh, negative plus minus a, a rebound, a couple assists, and some other some other garbage down there at the end of the stat line. But not a, not a really significant contribution, and even defensively. Uh, he didn't look great. Neither one of those guys looked great. And when you compare that against Derrick Rose, who it just when he goes to the to the lane, I get nervous for him. Uh, I get scared for him. Even when he does that, would Derrick Rose like a vintage move where he'll come up underneath the, the rim on the baseline and come up to the other other side for a reverse lay-in? That's sort of that's his thing because he he uses the rim to block the defender um, throughout history. That's just what that's what he does. He goes 30 minutes. He goes 6 for 11 from the field. Gets gets to the line 8 times. Goes 6 for 8 from the from the line. Uh, 4 rebounds and a couple of assists. And he looked quick and he looked fast. And the guy's got nothing left in his knees. He's got zero lift. And he looked like he was on fire blowing past both Patty Mills and Tony Parker. And like you... I don't know why DeJounte Murray wasn't in there. And he had he didn't even make it a full minute, DeJounte Murray. He didn't even make it an entire minute in the game. And he didn't um he didn't put the longer, more athletic DeJounte Murray on Derrick Rose, where DeJounte Murray, despite you know, he he'd probably get back down in the post if that was Derrick Rose's game. DeJounte Murray's so skinny. But that length, this is the game where DeJounte Murray could have been like we would be questioning, should he be the starter right now? Because he could, I, I don't want to say he could have destroyed Derrick Rose, but that's the matchup, right, that you look for. Aging, lack of athleticism in a former MVP point guard, and this new unknown up-and-comer who has the physical ability to just dominate, and Pop didn't even try that matchup out. We didn't even get to see that. Um, I, I could understand that, though. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, if again, that with that loyalty factor to Parker, because <clears throat> let's take Murray out of the equation. Let's say Corey Joseph was still on the team and he played in that game. Pop could sit down Tony Parker, and if Corey Joseph does a really great job on Derrick Rose, at the end of the day, you know you're gonna say, you, you know you're gonna be thinking, well, that was a good job by the third string point guard. He's gonna go back to being the third string point guard. But again, the thing about Dejounte is. 
that he's I think he can be very explosive and we saw that against the Cavs is it against any of the point guards and he's again he's like six five right so he's six five and he's long and he plays that point guard position he, he's basically what Manu would be you know in, in that position if uh without the injury proneness I guess but you know if he if Pop goes and puts him in and now he starts dominating now you have a question where you know can he take Tony Parker's spot you know, it's something that you wouldn't be saying with any other third string point guard. So I can see why Pop is riding Parker as much as he possibly can until he's forced to make that decision. And again, Patty's not going to be a starter, I don't think. Uh, it might get to that point where Pop just says, you know, let's start Patty and put Tony as a backup and see how that plays. I don't personally, I don't think that would work out very well uh, because then you're going to have Tony and then Manu and then Jonathan Simmons. And that's not really, uh, you know, an offensive lineup that you would really want to have out there, especially when the two out of the three guys can't shoot mm-hmm. uh, consistently. Mm-hmm. So I, I can understand why he's he didn't put DeJounte and it sort of keeps the drama away. You know, it keeps the decision making away. It also keeps the heartbreak away because if it was me, I absolutely would have put DeJounte Murray in there. And if he would have dominated Derek Rose. I would have said, you know what? Let's see what the kid has the next game, and then the next game, and then and then the next game. But again, I don't have that relationship with Tony Parker, where he's been on the team. He he uh, he's been that father figure where he screamed at him when he was what 19 years old, and he hurt his feelings. Uh, so I mean, I don't have that relationship with them. So I think that's why Pop is sort of not trying to get too excited about putting Dejounte in there just yet. You know, a guy who continues to get minutes and continues to overperform, and I, aside from Kawhi Leonard, I think that this guy had a great line, was David Lee. Uh, again, 21 minutes, 5 for 8 from the field, uh, got to the line, makes a couple of, of uh, no, he didn't get to the line. Uh, <laughs> what am I, I'm trying to read, and I'm looking between two different, I'm looking at Kyle Anderson, actually, of all people who got to the line. Um, but, you know, seven rebounds. David Lee's sort of all over the place. He's 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 like uh, like you you like to reference Tiago Splitter, and you know I look at at David Lee and say this is what we wanted to have for David West last year. Um, but David Lee in all facets of the game, he's moving, he's setting screens, he's scoring when he has to score. Uh, you know I saw him do a couple of tip ins that were just unbelievable last night. David Lee for me has sort of been the unsung hero for this team, but I think it's going to take a lot more. Uh, for this team to really excel, what, what did you think of David Lee's play, and then sort of in the overall context of the of the front court, how do you see that unfolding for the future? Uh, again, I'm impressed with Lee. I think he's done like how you said. He's basically what what David West was supposed to be. Except you kind of wish that Dar- Dar- uh, David Lee had that mid range jumper mm-hmm. so he could spread the floor. But he has the active feet how Tiago Splitter used to have, and he'll you know if you give him the ball wherever it is, he'll make a chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? So I, I think he, he's doing a great job. The the part is he's not that defensive guy that you wish he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was obvious in that Nick game because, again, they were doing so well. Pop kept the bench in, and you sort of saw Derek, uh, Derek Lee, Dave, David Lee sort of uh, wind down, and then he wasn't as effective as he was at the start with all that energy. So uh, they're definitely missing Gasol, and even how, uh, how great Deadman's playing, you know, it can't really rest on David Lee. David Lee has to be the luxury, not the necessity for the Spurs to succeed. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and Dwayne Deadman, we brought him up earlier. He's He's been rebounding in, in double digits. Every game, except this game, obviously, but in, in the previous games in the road trip, uh, he's been rebounding in double digits. He's been a great rebounder uh, all year long. So I, I've been really pleased with him. The challenge is, and you hinted this when you when you started the the podcast, he's he's not a scorer. 
he, where are these points coming from for the Spurs? Because I, it's a two-man offensive game now, as you mentioned. Well, Marcus Aldridge, Kawhi Leonard. And I look at Kawhi Leonard going for 36 points. You can't rely on anybody else except LaMarcus Aldridge to score. And then I look at him going 15 and 10, which is a, which is a nice line. But 15 and 10 on the Knicks, when you look at the, the front court players for the Knicks, Perzingis, okay, up-and-comer, really solid player, could be really good one day. But then Hernan Gomez, like – who else? I mean, I, I don't even know these other uh, these other names that are on the Knicks. I don't even know them. Like, who are these guys? And you look over here at Lamarcus Aldridge, and only fifteen and ten. I mean, maybe this is the case of you know what have you done for me lately, or your best isn't good enough, or or whatever. But I just feel like Lamarcus Aldridge. It, it's like, are you taking this seriously, man? Like, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be so, so negative about Lamarcus Aldridge, but I'm really concerned. Fifteen and ten on the Knicks. When you got Kawhi Leonard, who frankly touches the ball on every offensive play, I can't the the the, um, the lungs that that guy has must be incredible to have that much wind to go all game long touching the ball on both sides of the court, uh, just about every possession, offensively and defensively. But Lamarcus Aldridge is, is either he's not getting touches, but when he is getting touches, he's not making it. You know his shots. He went five for sixteen from the field last night. He went five for sixteen. I mean, and out of his 10 points, or sorry, his 15 points, five of those came from the free throw line. It just seems pretty, it's pretty remarkable to me that you can have a team that is absolutely a two-man offensive team, and LaMarcus Aldridge is, is not performing at the level that we expect him to perform against inferior talent. And, and I like Hernan Gomez, don't get me wrong, I mean, that's, that, that might be a nice player there, but when you're LaMarcus Aldridge... You're supposed to kill that dude, right? Even Perzingis, you're so you are the all star despite this year, right? Despite you know him being snubbed this year, but Lamarcus Aldridge is the all star. Why didn't we see that in this game, and why haven't we seen that on a repeatable basis over the course of the year? I have no idea. I don't know really what what's wrong because I mean he's a second option. Remember, he went to San Antonio because he didn't want to be the guy. He wanted to be a guy, you know, a, a option. So Kawhi is, I mean, we could. He goes to the middle where that help is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's really where you're not supposed to want to go. You're supposed to want to take the guy to the baseline uh, if he's overplaying to the middle, and then force somebody else to help. You know, sort of like what he did in uh, Portland. He's basically going into the defense. And that's not creating shots for guys like Danny Green. I think that's why Green has has been struggling as much as he has. Mills hasn't gotten open shots. Uh, you know, it's not like they're playing a two-three zone where you want to go to the middle every time. The, the NBA plays man defense. You just want to attack them and, and have the defense moving. So I, I mean, I, I'll play GM here since I, I think that's what we're getting at with uh, you know, I guess with my opinion. You just want all the power. Absolutely. I think there's a a point where Pop needs to take uh needs to sit him down. And ask him if he's happy there, and ask him if he wants to win, uh, because he's not playing like how he he's played every year besides being in a Spurs uniform. Uh, so, I mean, he didn't even play like this last year. And last year he would he played extremely well when he was posting guys up. He wouldn't go to the middle every time. So if he's not happy, you know, you could get something for him. You know, I'm not inst- instigating a trade or anything, but I mean, you got to fill out the situation there because you can't go with this team 
the way they're playing right now into the playoffs because it, I, I wouldn't even trust them against the Rockets, against the Warriors, especially against the Clippers. They, they usually go in trouble. Even against the um, the uh, the Thunder, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't trust them. I think Westbrook, especially with Tony Parker, how he's playing, oh, dude, I, yeah. that you know I, I I just I think there needs to be something settled here. Um, if he's not comfortable in the offense, if it's just Kawhi, you know, he's getting too many touches. I want some touches or I want some touches here, you know, uh, run a pick and roll, go small at this point. You know, that wouldn't hurt. Have Kawhi at the four, you know, have more opportunities for, for Aldridge uh, playing a faster pace of ball. Uh, I, I think Pop just needs to figure it out. You know, and again, this is where uh, a lot of people label him a genius. I think he I think he's a really good coach that adjusts to his players. But if some if a player doesn't want to adjust to your adjustments or doesn't want to meet you halfway, I think you have to cut your losses at some point because Ginobili's not getting any younger, Parker's not getting any younger, uh, and I think you're really in a win now mode with Kawhi. As young as he is, I don't think it's fair for for the Spurs to say, you know, Kawhi's young, we could go through a couple of losing seasons and build up after that. Especially what they did with Duncan, I think you could still do that in a sense with Kawhi. I totally agree. I, I, you you are absolutely in a win. You're, when you're the Spurs, you're like the, like your other team, the Yankees, right? You're you're always in a win now mode. You've been that way for twenty plus years. Because even those years with Robinson as sort of your only player there, and you got of course Sean Elliott and your boy Avery Johnson. Um, you've got those guys there, and Robinson is still top talent, right? I mean, remember they they were a winning organization with Robinson before before Tim Duncan was even there. They just they ta- they had that one horrible year when Robinson got hurt, right? Which is how you get which is how you get Tim Duncan. But before that, I mean, this was a really solid team. They're used to winning. Uh, as and this sort of a stupid statement uh, to make, but I mean, they're 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 always in win now mode, and I don't think that they could waste any time if you're disinterested, right? Um, they have a weird mashup of, of players. But one guy who's not playing right now, who's absolutely in win now mode is Pau Gasol. Now we didn't see Pau last night. It would have, I mean, they're, they're definitely missing Pau Gasol, but at his age, can we, can you be dependent on Pau Gasol with his, with his health? Right. And, and I, th- I think he's, I mean, he's never really that injured, and this is sort of a fluke thing. And I mean, you know what I mean? Uh, that your boy Kyle Anderson would break his Palgasol's finger for him. Um, so it's kind of a fluke deal. But at the same time, you're you're banking on somebody who is on the back end of their career to to really solidify your front court. And you look over at Lamarcus Aldridge, and that should be the guy. I think there probably is some frustration that he's not getting all the touches, and Kawhi is. I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge is used to being put in that position. It, ever since he was in Texas, he was the number one option. Um, but Kawhi, there's no doubt about it. Kawhi is the, the be-all, end-all, it seems, on, for the Spurs offensively. And when Powell gets back, LaMarcus gets even fewer touches. So if that's what's bugging him, then I think you're right. I mean, uh, Pop really needs to have a come-to-Jesus moment there because when you look at, even if the front court was fine, where you've got Kawhi, LaMarcus, and Powell, which seems like a ridiculously formative front court. The Spurs have to be very concerned about their positioning going into the playoffs if one of those front court players really isn't performing because the back court, uh, Danny Green is, is just okay, 3 and D, and he just sort of does his thing. Uh, not really lighting the world on fire like he was a few years ago. But that point guard position has me extremely nervous when you look at what Derrick Rose did to them. And then you mentioned a couple of these other uh, point guards that they potentially would go up against. I just, I'm looking at the standings, which is what we're going to cover next. 
Um, you got Denver, which is not a good team. Don't get me wrong. Um, and that's about the only team on this whole line that I would give the point guard edge to San Antonio. And I'm talking point guard by committee. You look at Denver, uh, is in the eighth spot. Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook would absolutely destroy anybody on the, the Spurs from a backcourt perspective. Um, absolutely not. I think DeJounte can take him. You're insane. <clears throat> no, I, I'm actually dead serious because of his length. And that's what I'm going to be teaching the kids today at, at, at uh, youth basketball practice. Uh, <laughs> If with his long arms, if he plays at arm's length and he keeps them that far in front of him, uh, he, I, I think Westbrook would have a lot of trouble with that. Parker can't do that. Mills especially can't do that. I think Parker's is stronger than than Mills and a better defender than Mills at, at some point, especially against Westbrook. So I think that Dejounte Murray can neutralize Russell Westbrook. Absolutely. What does neutralize mean? Like hold him to thirty? Uh. Ho- Hold them to 30 on 8 for whatever shooting. That's a really good way that you frame that, by the way. Um, which I know we didn't practice that at all, but I really like that argument. Because even if you hold them to 30, but you're right, it's 8 for uh, 20. 8 for 22 or something, something ridiculous like that. That's all they need to turn the tide. I mean, and the Spurs would win just because they that series, just because they have Kawhi anyway, right? And... The combination of Powell and LaMarcus at any kind of – if LaMarcus goes 15-10 and 10, like he did against the Knicks and he does that every game of a, of a series with the Thunder, uh, which is who they would play in the first round, they should overcome that regardless. But you're right. If it's 30 points on 8 for 20-something shooting, uh, then I'd say DeJounte Murray did a, did a pretty nice job there. I just don't think that he could do that. I'm not sure. I mean, look, dude, Pop didn't even trust him in this game against Derrick Rose um, and didn't give him minutes in that game. I'm not sure that he sees the court in a game against Oklahoma City. That, that Russell Westbrook thing, I, I think you're nuts. I, I, if he could do that, that'd be great. <laughs> but the chances of that happening, seriously. Absolutely. <laughs> and again, you know, uh, we're talking about uh, LaMarcus and especially how he's going to play into those teams. And then Parker. Uh, even even though the Spurs are pretty solid defensively, you got to remember, you mentioned Pau Gasol. He was the, the center who could also play offense, who could also stretch the floor uh, post-up. So, I mean, LaMarcus is missing that. At the same time, he had that with Robin Lopez all those years. So I don't know, you know, if there's any difference with that. But again, you mentioned the point guard position many times in in a lot of different arguments. Let's be realistic here. Okay, let's not be uh, homers. You know, Danny Green is a 3 and D guy, right? Kawhi Leonard is the all-around main option. LaMarcus is the athletic, you know, depending on where you put him. He's a jump-shooting big man. Uh, who can create his own shot and post up. Uh, you know, Deadman's that rebounder, defensive guy. Uh, Powell Gasol can, you know, again, he can stretch the floor and, you know, create his own, create, uh, excuse me, create his own offense. Let's be realistic. What can Tony Parker do at this point of his career with how he's been playing? He can't, he can't initiate the offense, really. I mean, you play a pick and roll or pick and pop, you just play, you know, you just let him shoot. He can't shoot. He can't, he's not really uh, quick-footed anymore. Uh, he can't really defend. He, I mean, he's basically just out there, you know, sort of uh, like, you know, just looking good out there, I guess. You know what he's I not really, really wish, doing much. You know what I really wish he would do is I, I wish that he would call up Milwaukee Bucks head coach Jason Kidd and talk to go. Jason Kidd about what it was like to transition from that, um, you know, playmaker, ball handler on every play to transition to a team where you have a dominant, could be dominant, uh, post player 
and how you work yourself offensively into a post player out of the point guard spot. I look at Tony Parker and I just see I, I see him getting bigger, right, wider, <laughs> with his age. Um, and I just wish that he'd learned from Jason Kidd how to transition to this phase of his career because he's still. It looks like he's trying to play that pick and roll and do that pick and pop, and he's not getting to the. We just established because of his line against the Knicks where he had you know an opportunity to do so. He wasn't getting to the line, so he's not that aggressive sort of whirling dervish get to the you know get to the bucket. Tony Parker that we've seen in the past, I just wish that he would learn how to, to get get bigger, get, use his size to post up like Jason Kidd used to do um, when he was transitioning between the uh, the Nets and, and then ultimately to the Mavericks. I, I wish he would he would take some of those and, and uh, those tips and change into that type of a player. I could see him being successful doing that to some degree. Oh, I disagree. Mainly because absolutely, you know, and you knew I was going to disagree with, uh, this whole time while you were agreeing with me. But Jason Kidd was always the distributor. He was always the guy who, who who would you know call up the play. You know, if he's up top, he'd call up you know an off the ball screen, get that guy the ball, then he'd set a screen. I mean, he'd get the flow moving. Parker was always the I'm going to outrun you to the basket. I'm going to use my speed, even on a, on a pick and roll or a pick and pop. He'd run around like Nash at some point during Nash's glory days. Remember, if he didn't have that layup, he'd just you know dribble it out back outside and do something else i i don't think parker at this point of his career can learn to be that distributor can learn to be that floor general like jason kidd was if anything if he was a little bit taller and a little bit longer i think you could put him as sort of a Corey joseph player where you can he can play defense maybe spot up shoot in some points but at this point i i don't see i see him declining so much where he didn't uh, adjust his game over the years, where he's just gonna be he's just gonna be irrelevant at some point, and I and I'm not saying that happily either. I you know it's a really sad case because he was a really good player. Yeah, uh, no, I, I I hear you. He's got to figure out some way to transition into this next phase of his career. You um, sounded sad when you well, said. Well, I, I I do. I mean, he's he's one of the the big three, right? I mean, he won a bunch of titles here. He's a former Finals MVP. Uh, he's an amazing player. Uh, and a Hall of Famer, but when you look at this phase of his career, and then I look, I'm looking up and down the West standings because we still have to talk about that. But um, I look at those other point guards that are, you know, that are that are in the playoffs, and I, I Tony Parker has no shot <laughs> against these guys, offensively or defensively, right? So let's go through Russell Westbrook. And you know what? While, while you're doing that, also put in Patty. Because I mean, people are going to say, "Well, you can always start Patty Mills." Patty yeah. Mills would will get destroyed by the same guys because he's sort of just like Tony, but more of a shooter than a, than a driver than Tony ever was. I totally agree with you. Yeah, let's talk about that as, as point guard by committee for the Spurs. Um, you look at at Memphis, and I think Memphis, you know, is going to be a, a front court problem as well. Uh, there again, Kawhi Leonard's what the difference may, member uh, difference member difference maker is going to be. We'll see what Tony Allen on Kawhi Leonard looks like. But from a point guard perspective, Mike Conley, um, while he hasn't really lived up to that contract yet, he's a he's a great. I mean, he, well, I don't know if he's great. He's a really good point guard. He's really solid. He's good at what he does. He's good for that team. Um, he's he is probably if I'm looking down this line, he might be the one that Spurs point guard by committee have a really great chance of neutralizing from a plus minus perspective. I think Mike Conley is, is probably that guy. Then next on the list in, in uh, what would this be fifth? Yeah, fifth is the Clippers, and of course you got Chris Paul there. Um, and then uh, and then after Chris Paul, you got Jamal Crawford, 
you know, playing that role. It, uh, okay, <laughs> you know, either either one of those guys um, is solid in the Spurs from point guard by committee perspective. Uh, it just doesn't really match up. Then you got you know former Spur George Hill out there in Utah. What do you think about that? What do you, I mean, I, I know I don't know what you think about if you think about Utah a lot, but what do you think about George Hill versus point guard by committee? Against Parker, I think you would see the same results uh, with everything I've been saying about DeJounte. Uh, he's a little bit shorter than DeJounte, I think, right? He's 5'3 uh, or something, but he's extremely long. Well, he's like 6'3, not 5'3. Yeah, whatever. You, you know what I mean. You know. And, uh, you know, with those long arms, I think he would play him that same way that I think DeJounte would play other guys. Uh, Parker can't get by him. He can't shoot over him. Uh, even with the pick and roll, I mean, I, I don't think much damage would be done. I think Mills would do more damage uh, than Parker, but at the same time, Patty's not too consistent, you know, being the the distributor or the point guard in general. So I think George Hill would have a field day out there. Yeah, I think George Hill would be very solid. You're right. And and what was that guy? Remember, it was um, Dante Exum. Is that guy still playing? Remember Dante Exum, the Australian dude that the that the Jazz got that was a point guard that's supposed to be the next big thing? What happened to that guy? Oh, I don't know. I just know him as the guy who uh, got chippy with me on NBA Live in that career mode that one time. <laughs> okay. That's why I didn't like him. Some know? serious research here. Yeah. Uh, and now we're getting into the top three, and this is really scary. Of course I – mean, That's the one that scares me, the one you're just going to mention. Yeah, I, in, in both ways. I mean there's – First off, you don't put – and we'll just say who it is. It's Houston, of course. Um, it's James Harden. You don't play James Harden defensively with your point guard if you don't have to, right? I mean, you play him – you play Danny Green on him, and you try to same, – same thing you were saying before with uh, uh, with old – what's his name? Russell Westbrook. You try to get him to some bad shooting percentage, but the dude's still going to have 35 points by the end of the night. Against the Spurs. The thing that gets me, though, is the defensively, if you look at the, the point guard by committee in Houston, where you have two totally different styles of player in that point guard spot, I think they both provide interesting matchups. Because if you look at Patty Mills against James Harden, you know, when Patty's on offense, and maybe even Tony when he's on offense, and again, I don't feel strongly about that. James Harden's not a good defender. He doesn't try. He doesn't really care about that. So either one of those guys is probably going to just be missing shots, but not because of anything that James Harden does. I could see a lot of like 13-point nights, 15-point nights, something like that for Tony and, and something like that for Patty because um, James isn't really playing that way. When they sub in um, Patrick Beverly – who's a really, really solid defender, one of the top defenders from a point guard per, uh, position per 36 um, in the NBA. Patrick Beverly is no joke defensively, but he has offensive challenges. I just think that you have two totally different players in Houston of the point guard position from the starter to the second string. It's really reminiscent of what you've got going on with, uh, but just in verse for San Antonio from Tony Parker to Patty Mills. The... The the thing that really would bother me about that series, and they would have to get to that point of the Spurs were gonna you know win the championship, is you know you mentioned about uh, Tony Parker versus James Harden. It, you know you, you're talking about James Harden on Tony Parker uh, defensively, but where do you put Tony Parker at some point? You know, do you just try to rely on James Harden to score? you know sixty points? I think he would actually. You know, with all the jump shots he he uh, he takes. 
uh, and I think they'd have a good chance of winning. But then again, you know, do you put Danny Green on him? Okay, do you put Kawhi Leonard on him? Where do you put Tony you've got, Parker? You've got to put Danny Green on him. So you're, you're swapping out between the one and the two, right? So it's it's who takes that Trevor Ariza player and who you know who swaps in with him. So that's that's the challenge. So you're going to have Tony Parker or Patty Mills and say that it is Trevor Ariza, who's a three, but um, just go with me on this. It's, it's probably the, that like player, that guy who sort of just plays out there in the wing. I don't know how tall Trevor Ariza is. But I know he's, they're like a foot taller than, than Patty Mills, right? So you got a guy who has some serious length on a pretty short player in Tony Parker or Patty Mills. Because Patty's six foot, and I think Tony's six two. Yeah, along those lines. And, you know, the, the scary part is the Spurs don't have the interior defensive Paul Gasol, start, Paul Gasol starts uh, to really counter that, especially if, you, if you're going to go off the ball screens and, you know, get all fancy with it at the same time. He will shoot just to over Tony Parker. He's going to shoot like he's not even you know near him. So I mean, his defense is going to be nullified in that. Again, that's the scary part. You know, if Tony Parker was a little bit quicker, um, I'd take my chance with him. But you know, the, the way the Spurs are structured, uh, even even the great Paul Garcia sort of agreed with us. Where you know they're, they're in a sticky situation. You know, with, with Parker because you can't really just bump him down and you know bring the third string stringer all the way up. You know, logically, anyways. You know. Uh, it, it, it's it's a scary situation. I'm scared right now. Can you hear it in my voice? I can hear. I can definitely hear your voice. And those two will probably play because I mean, in all reality, like we talked about, say that this playoff started today and it was San Antonio in the second spot, and they had to play Oklahoma City. San Antonio, I think we count on them to win that series just because of the overall depth and, and a kind of scary matchups for the front court of Oklahoma City. Just the things that the Spurs do. Um, with both LaMarcus and Pau Gasol, they're going to draw away Steven Adams from the rim. And Cantor will be back, but they're going to move – you know, they can play Cantor defensively. So, you know, the Spurs would win that series. But that, as, it, as it progresses, it would be San Antonio – they would end up playing San Antonio and Houston if, if things held to today. But I will say that San Antonio has been losing games where they should have won. And we, we talked about that in one of the earlier podcasts. But they're 6-4 and four in their last 10. So is Houston, but Houston's played more games. Houston's played 57 games so far on the year. Um, the Spurs have only played 54. And Houston is just a, just right behind. They're a game back in the win column from San Antonio now. Seven and a half games back from Golden State in the lead. They're 40 and 17 on the year, 700 uh, winning percentage. San Antonio is now is only 41 and 13 on the year and a 75% winning percentage. Houston's right there. I can absolutely see Houston. I mean, hell, maybe before the All Star break, or they're gonna they could get into that second spot. So we could see San Antonio start to fall down um, the the rankings because even once you get when you get below Houston, it drops off pretty significantly uh, to Utah, who's in that fourth seed. But I can see San Antonio and Houston flip flopping, and we didn't even get to Golden State and talk about the offensive power and the matchup problems for the Spurs, but. I don't know if you really want to even get into that, but I think they're sort of self-evident. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, fans will bring up, well, it's Pop against D'Antoni. He has D'Antoni's number. At some point, uh, the personnel has to kick in. Yeah, what does that mean? Like, I mean, it's James James Harden against Tony Parker. It's not Pop versus D'Antoni. I don't even know what that means. I'd want to see that, though. I would want to see that. Just, I don't know. Well, the good thing is the Spurs have Joel Anthony for the rest of the year. So there's that. That makes zero sense. I mean, I'm sure they had their reasonings for it, but... Uh, at this point, especially, you know, with Deadman not being an offensive option with the exception of just putbacks and alley-oops, 
uh, I would have left that roster spot, spot open for a young guy or for maybe, you know, if you begged Tim Duncan enough to come back, you know, maybe that would have happened. Well, I, I like the spot. I started to come off of my my thoughts about bringing, you know, maybe one of the Austin Spurs up. Not not because it, I, I'm not thinking of that as if, uh, like, I've given up hope on, on them, you know, using the D-League that way uh, for this year. But, you know, I was thinking about during this trade deadline, people are gonna, people are also looking to clear some room. And if you have that open spot, you could maybe bring in a very serviceable player and then accept some trash from another team that just needs that done to get a deal done. Or, you know, you could be the third or the fourth team in a transaction, right? And you could use that open spot just to acquire garbage off of another team just to get the deal done. And now it just complicates things for a guy that's not even going to play. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like if they just left that open, even if they didn't use one of the Austin Spurs to fill that spot, uh, like, uh, uh, was it, Corey Jefferson, periodically, you could use that spot to your advantage in a trade scenario. And it, everything that we talked about here today, which I cannot believe this has been a 40-minute podcast off of the subject matter that we had to talk about today. It seemed like that this was 20 minutes and done. Um, you owe me a ginger ale. <laughs> I guess I do. I guess I do. Uh, I just I felt like they, they should have left that open just to acquire garbage to get a, a deal done. Yeah, and I mean the most surprising thing it's the, it's the last spot in the roster. I mean, why even try to fill that up? But uh, maybe they're talking trade with somebody. Maybe they're going to take in uh, a guard or a combo guard where uh, you know Joel Anthony might be playing some minutes. Uh, we, you know, we were discussing maybe LaMarcus isn't happy there. Well, I mean, if you trade LaMarcus, you're not going to get a big for big unless it's like a Serge Ibaka. Uh, but other than that, you know, you might get a, you know, a smaller guy and Powell might be the, might be the center. So, uh, you, you, we don't know what's going on, but you know, just, uh, just how we're looking at it right now with, with no details, it, it just doesn't make sense, but we'll see. Well, I'm glad it's Monday because I've got the rest of the week to turn this frown upside down, right? And get going, get positive. Because that's it, man. This is it. We're done uh, with episode 430. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Spurs Cast. Catch up with Jose at JRG1023. Me, I'm at RyanMC underscore PS. Follow us or any of the Project Spurs guys over guys and gals at uh, Project Spurs on Twitter. Go to ProjectSpurs.com. Jose, anything else before we sign off? Um, no, I'm going to eat some hamburgers right now, so I'm good. Okay, well, thank you for that. And to you listeners, you're welcome. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.